Welcome to the POV Hamilton Podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the Steel City. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name is Brandon Abbey, and I am the CEO and co-founder of QReserve. QReserve solves a problem that every business and organization has, and that's something to do with scheduling. So you might want to schedule meeting rooms. Maybe you need to schedule equipment. Maybe you need to schedule your customers or amenities, or maybe it's more general, like scheduling projects. Every business and organization has some level of scheduling problems. And sometimes these are small and rather simple problems to solve. Maybe you're a consultant and you just need to schedule time with a customer. But often these are much larger and harder problems to solve. And that's what QReserve does, is we try and solve those scheduling problems. And we do that with a lot of really smart scheduling tools. So for example, if you're trying to book a microscope in a research facility, there might be rules around who can use that. Maybe you need to have special training. Maybe you need to have training that's not out of date. Maybe you need to have paid a membership fee if you work in a core facility. Maybe you can't use it after 5 p.m. if you're an undergraduate student, but you can use it at 3 a.m. if you're a graduate student. All these types of rules can make for a very complex situation and unless you have someone manually doing that, it's just not going to work with a typical calendar. And so that's what QReserve was built to do. And what we've done over the years is we've built QReserve to help organizations of all kinds solve these really complex and interesting problems. And as a result, now we have really cool products and we work with tons of customers around the world in all kinds of verticals, not just research. QReserve was started actually while I was working at McMaster University, but let me just back up a little bit here. Um, when I was in high school, I had a drive to start businesses, let's say. My father was actually a hockey coach and he needed a website for his team. And so I was dabbling with HTML and JavaScript. And so I went ahead and made him a website. But then what happened is another one of his colleagues said, hey, could you make a website for my team too? And I said, well, sure, I've done this once. I can probably do this again. Um, and so I made one for him as well. And then I had a third person ask for a website. And I started to think to myself, you know, this was a problem I solved for one area. We can probably scale this up to solve it for many. And from that, I started my first real business that was called My Sports Site which was a platform for people to start their own sports teams websites. And it grew quite a bit, actually. We had sports leagues um, all around the world. We had a sales representative in the UK who was helping to sell websites for us. And this was back before Facebook really took off. And, and now places like Facebook kind of dominate that industry. But back then, people were looking for an online presence. And so we built my sports site as a way to solve that. And as an example of scaling one simple idea, up into hundreds and hundreds of other similar ideas. And that was back in high school. And then I went through university and I ended up coming to McMaster University to do a PhD where I was working in a research facility. And we were a small lab. We only had about four or five people in the lab. And I was actually working with bats doing neuroscience and studying how the auditory system works. But while working in the university, you start to get a sense of how a university operates. 
And it's a lot like a big city, actually, where you have a lot of subdivisions, so departments or faculties, and people there tend to know each other, people there tend to know where things are, who has what. And there can be some cross-faculty and cross-department collaboration, but in a lot of ways, people are siloed when they work at a university. And so I went through my PhD doing all this work, um, ended up getting a PhD and getting a job at McMaster as a research technician in an, a different faculty, in a different department. And there, we also saw a similar problem. And so at McMaster University, I was working in this uh, biointerfaces institute, and we had all of this really cool equipment. And the problem was, we had a bit of trouble getting people to come and use our equipment. And it was never because they didn't want to, it was usually just an information problem. So they didn't know that this equipment existed. And the people who ran this facility, scientists, um, not marketing people. And so we started off by saying like, let's make a website, let's make this simple. But then once we had a website and we had people come to use the equipment, slowly we saw needs for other factors such as scheduling equipment. And so we slowly built a system to help schedule that equipment and that would evolve in complexity over time. And then one day where this all started to spring out was I needed a piece of equipment on campus called a microtome. And we didn't have one of these in the Biointerfaces Institute. And so I knew someone who did have one. So I emailed them and said, hey, could we use your, micro, uh, your microtome for a project? And they said, unfortunately, ours is broken. So I had to say, okay, I'll go and find somebody else. And then we emailed somebody else who was on sabbatical. And so their email bounced back. And so we had to ask around and say, do you know anybody else who has one of these? The problem was this was just incredibly difficult for something that should be simple. So I can go to the McMaster library. I can type in microtome into the catalog and it will tell me where all the books are, when they're out, um, when they're due back and where they are on the shelf. So simple. Why couldn't I do this for a piece of equipment on campus? And so what we did was we said, okay, let's see if we can build this out. So it's not just catalog of equipment we had in our lab, but maybe this can be a catalog of equipment we have across the campus. And not only could it be a catalog, but maybe it can have other tools like how to schedule that equipment. And just like back with the My Sports Site days, we started off by solving a problem for one place, right? It was just our lab. It was small and simple. But then we realized other people like us had a similar problem. So we scaled it out. And then from then, seven years later, we now have thousands of people using QReserve every day around the world, not just in research facilities, um, but in property management, in uh, rehearsal studio spaces, fitness centers, all types of verticals where they're using our platform that we initially built for one purpose for their own purposes as well. And so, you know, QReserve was built as a, I'd say a customer driven solution. So we were the first customer. We just had this problem. When we first started to build the, the solution, it wasn't a start a business. It was, let's just solve our problem. And as we grew moving forward, other people came to us and said, this is great, but I also have this problem. And we said, you know what, that makes sense. If you have that problem, we can understand that other people probably have that problem. And so we would build it from there. And so as a result, we've really built this fantastic solution that can solve a lot of different problems in scheduling and resource management. And ultimately now we can help thousands of people better access equipment so that when someone else has the problem that I had where I couldn't find that microtome on campus, they might have much better luck. And we can not only support them finding it, but we can help support them the whole way. So finding it all the way through to maybe using it, maybe getting an invoice for it, getting trained on it, all of that can all go through our platform. So that's a, 
uh, a long-winded story of how Key Reserve started. But I think what's interesting, and I was just thinking about this earlier, is how Key Reserve started not as a, I have a multi-billion dollar idea. It started with, I have a problem and I think I know how to solve it. And so I did solve it. And then once you start solving actual problems, people can latch onto that and say, you know, if you can solve A, B, and C for me, I bet you you can solve D for me as well. And now I think we've kind of gone past the alphabet with problems we're solving. Um, but as a result, it's really rewarding to see how much positivity we're having on people around the world every single day who are interacting with the, the tools and solutions we've built. When we decided to start Key Reserve, it was December 2013, I believe. And the concept of making this into a business was really, we had built this tool um, at the Biointerfaces Institute, and we started to get people like murmuring, saying like, hey, you know, I think we can maybe use this here or here. And so the first thing we did actually was we talked to Milo and we said, hey, we work at McMaster University. We work in this facility. We have this idea. It might be a business idea. We don't really know. Um, I had mentioned before that I have some past experience in business, but it wasn't like this was a goal at the time was to start a business. It was just maybe this is an avenue to, to progress in this idea further. And so one of the first things we did actually was we would walk down Main Street from McMaster University to the McMaster Innovation Park. And we would go to a once a week innovation factory run entrepreneurship course, basically, um, where on Friday mornings, uh, someone from Mars in Toronto would actually come down and they would teach us all about how to start a business. And so they taught us about how to frame the problem, how to articulate our solution, how to test customer responses, and, and how to figure out if there's actually a potential business here. And this is when we started to really step back and think, you know, like, yes, this is a neat idea, but is there actually a business around this? Um, and that was pretty intensive, actually. And it really made us question a lot of our assumptions at first. And that was our first interaction with, I'd say, the Hamilton entrepreneurial and business ecosystem was working with Innovation Factory in that way. Um, as you can probably guess, we decided that yes, you know, there might be a business here. And so I ended up leaving the Biointerfaces Institute and I said, you know, I think I'm going to push this full time. And one of the things that let me do that was Milo actually helped us secure funding from FedDev Ontario. It was just a small amount at first, um, but that let us really say, okay, let's go at this full time for a little bit. And McMaster became our first customer as well, which makes sense since that's where we were trying to solve this problem at first. And just around this time, there was rumors of starting something called the Forge. And so I was actually in the hospital room with my wife and day old son calling when I got an email from Tammy who said, hey, Brandon, we're starting this new thing called the Forge. We heard you're starting a new company. Would you be interested in joining us as one of the first companies? It's like a business accelerator. We don't really know what it's going to become yet, but we have this big office space that you can come and work in. And so right away I said, yes, absolutely, let's, let's do this. And so I was one of the first companies to join the Forge, which was really neat for a couple of reasons. So the first thing is that the Forge was brand new for everybody when I was there and we were all trying to figure out what it could be. And what that means is figuring out what kind of supports do we actually need? So do we need to have daily meetings with all the companies together? Do we just need piles of money dumped on us? Um, do we just need a desk? How should this run? What kind of ideas do we have? 
And so it was really fun to be there at the beginning and figure out how the forge could help shape companies and seeing where it's come today, um, where it's done so many amazing things with so many companies. The other thing that the, the forge and innovation factory really helped us do is connect to other um, support in the area. So for example, you know, being in the forge, we would have people from OCE, now OCI come by and give presentations on funding opportunities. And so right away, we were able to secure some funding from OCE. I believe uh, Smart Start was the first one we received. Um, and from there, we, we made relationships with people in IRAP and, and other agencies, federal and provincial, to help boost the company and get us going. And so being in that ecosystem with everybody trying to drive people forward was extremely helpful at the beginning. And it's helpful for all those positive things, but it also has a lot of benefit for, I'd say, the negative aspects of starting a business that are less talked about sometimes. So when you're starting off, it's extremely lonely, especially if you're the only one there um, from your business, sitting at your desk by yourself, maybe something went bad that day. And if you're just sitting by yourself in your house, you know, it can be very demoralizing. But in the forge, we would see successes and failures from people every day. You could go grab a coffee with someone and talk about an issue. You could celebrate when someone got their first sale or if somebody raised some investment round. And I think having that community at the beginning was absolutely vital for ensuring that Qzer was still here today. The McMaster Innovation Park has been a great community for us. And actually, they're now a great customer for us as well. Because what they do is they can help you experiment and they take a little bit of a risk on you. And, you know, one quick example with the Innovation Park is when COVID hit and they had to shut down the gym. Upon reopening, they wanted to have a scheduling system so that you could schedule when people showed up and people could know whether or not they could use facilities upon joining. And there was a lot of concern over touching things and being in contact with things without cleaning them down. And so we proposed, wouldn't it be cool if you could walk into the gym, flash your ID badge at a little tablet, and it would check you into the gym, and then you could do the same thing on your way out, and it would check you out so we know who was there and when. And we hadn't built this yet. It was just this cool idea. And so some customers or some people would say like, oh, I don't know, like maybe test this out a bit. But no, the innovation park said, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do it, build it. And so we got the opportunity to build that type of solution and put it into practice here at the innovation park. And now as a result, that same technology that we built is in uh, companies across the UK who are using it for the exact same reason and in, in the United States who are using it for the contactless check-in and check-out in research facilities where they don't want people touching the walls when they've just touched dangerous biological chemicals and stuff like that. Hamilton is becoming a hub for innovation. We are having amazing healthcare startups here. We're having a ton of support. We're having large companies move into Hamilton because they see that type of passion from people and they see the opportunity here. We have great resources with the university and the hospital and the plans for the innovation park to scale out will be making this into a hub for the future. So I think we're very lucky to have been here at the beginning to kind of have the opportunity to plant our feet and, and say that we were part of that growth. But I think that the opportunities are going to continue to grow. So as we have more and more investment here, it's going to attract additional investment. VCs are going to start to say, 
Hamilton is where they come to in Canada to see what new companies are growing. People from Toronto might come to Hamilton to start their company because they have opportunities. And, you know, I think that's just one of the really, really cool things about living in Hamilton. Right now, we have QReserve deployed in multi-billion dollar international pharmaceutical companies. We are in universities. We are in innovation parks. Um, we are in condo buildings. All these places have helped us drive QReserve to what it is today. And as a result, we have an absolutely incredible product. And so the future of QReserve is spreading this information to the world and scaling it massively. We are very confident that we have a unprecedented solution for a lot of businesses' problems out there. For example, actually, and a very exciting thing we've just launched today is a tool we call reservation scripting. And what this is, is it's the ability to essentially program your own reservation rules in QReserve. And this is a massive win for not only my team for developing this awesome solution, but for businesses out there who think they're unique with a special scheduling requirement. And so, for example, in the past, we've had people come to us with these really complex rules. So someone might say, you can't book tomorrow if it's after 5 p.m. today unless you have a certain credential or you've paid an extra fee or you have permission from your supervisor. And these really complex rules can't just be integrated into the platform. Otherwise, you end up with a platform that's full of spaghetti code and it's, it does everything for everyone. As a result, there's no one for anyone. So what this reservation scripting tool does, it lets us do this right in the application or have customers do it themselves. And this is actually something that nobody else has out there. And I think really sets QReserve apart as having the ability to solve a lot of different problems for a lot of different organizations. And so really the future of QReserve right now is just massive scaling and massive growth. We have an incredible product. We have thousands of people using QReserve all the time. Um, we have millions and millions of dollars of reservation assets. So people making reservations worth this amount of money flowing through QReserve all the time, every month. And, and that's just going to get bigger and bigger as, as we continue to scale. So it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for QReserve. And it's something that we're really proud to be doing right here in Hamilton. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.